Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. That's the way we do it around here. Amen. Amen. Hey, you got your hands going? Go ahead and keep them going. Welcome to the online campus right now. We love all of you. Thank you for tuning in right now. In fact, on our media, on our online campus, if you would, take just a moment right now and download our message notes in-house. Grab your message notes. We're going to get right into this word today. We're in a series called Take the Heal. And uh, all year we're going around this overarching theme that we believe that God wants to lead us on a great adventure with him. We believe that God has a plan for you and for your life, that if you'll follow him, it'll be a great adventure. Last week I talked about how Jesus had this still waters moment, a series we just came out of. He had this still waters moment at the baptism at the Jordan River where the father spoke out loud to the crowd listening and said, this is my son. And then the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and rested upon him. It was an incredible moment. It's the moment Jesus launched his public ministry. But then immediately he went from that still waters moment into the wilderness where he was uh, attacked by the devil. And he went through a series of temptations. And now Hebrews chapter 4 says that you and I can go to Jesus about anything because he's been tempted in every area just like we are. So he's a high priest who understands us. How many are thankful today Jesus understands everything you pray about? Amen. He, he, you can't catch him off guard. He's been through that temptation and he knows how to give you victory. And he's compassionate. And, and, and so Jesus goes into the wilderness for temptation. And, and what you're going to see today is we're going to dive into in a moment is when Jesus come out of the desert he was laser focused on the work his heavenly father sent him to do Luke 19 10 Jesus would tell us he told the whole world he says that the son of man has come for one purpose one reason to seek and to save that which is lost his first sermon in a synagogue we preached out of the book of Isaiah when he declared that the Spirit of the Lord was on him and he come to open blinded eyes and heal the sick and set the captives free and preach the good news of the gospel to the poor. Somebody ought to thank God Jesus came and fulfilled his mission. Amen. Because that's why we're here. That's why you have the hope and the honor of salvation. But it all began as he come out of the wilderness and he was laser focused for the hill he was about to climb. And in fact, I'll tell you this, in my personal opinion, I believe Jesus not only saw the hill in front of him as the next three years of ministry, where Jesus was going to preach, where Jesus was going to gather disciples, where Jesus was going to heal, where Jesus was going to give hope to the hopeless and shine light in the darkness, where Jesus was going to go out and for three years he was going to show the world what it looks like to live for the Father. But I believe he also had his eyes on another hill that he would come to in about three and a half years, a hill called Mount Calvary, where he would take my sin and your sin up to the cross and Jesus would die there paying our sin debt. How many of you, like the first song we sing today, can raise up a hand today and say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. And then beyond the cross, I believe he saw another hill called the Mount of Olives 
where he saw where he had ascended to the right hand of the Father, and where one day, and we're waiting on this day, he said he will return, and he'll come back and gather all his people home. Somebody shout amen if you believe the scriptures. Amen? He come out of that wilderness, and his eyes were set. I want to talk to you today about taking the heel that God puts in front of you and coming out of your wilderness experiences with laser focus to fulfill the plan God has for you. So take your message notes. Together, we're going to go in a few moments back to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to dive into the next steps of Jesus as he came out of the desert. On uh, April the 21st, 1855, a Sunday school teacher by the name of Edward Kimball went into a shoe store in Boston, Massachusetts. He was focused that day, laser focused, but he wasn't there to buy shoes. Edward Kimball went in there to talk to a teenage shoe salesman who was the nephew of the shoe store owner. He walked around the counter where the teenager was stocking shoes. And he put his hand on that young man's shoulder. And by his own testimony, the young man stated that when he looked up at Mr. Kimball, tears were streaming down his cheek. And for the next few moments, Edward Kimball shared his love for Jesus and his passion to this young man. He shared with this young man that he wanted him to trust in Christ for his salvation, that Jesus would forgive his sins, that Jesus had a plan for that young teenage boy's life. That young teenage boy sat there listening to the brokenness of this Sunday school teacher as he shared the gospel and the seed of God was planted into his heart. And over the next few days, that young teenage boy made his own personal confession of faith and he repented of his sin and he gave his heart to Jesus. He was gloriously saved. Over the next few years, that young man was thriving in the shoe sales business. He had a go in, in the mid-1800s. He had a go of amassing a fortune of $100,000, which would have been an incredible sum of money in the mid-1800s. He worked for a few years and had saved up $10,000, still an incredible amount of money. When this young man, though, was still selling shoes, still passionate about his career, he was still, but he was wrestling at the same time with that moment that he had with Edward Kimball in his uncle's shoe store back in Boston. He started wrestling with the fact that God had a plan for his life and it may include the selling of shoes, nothing wrong with that. It may include business, but there was just something that was stirring on the inside of him that was saying it may be something different. Then he found himself listening one day to a sermon being preached by a British evangelist by the name of Henry Varley. Henry Varley made this statement in his sermon. The world has yet to see what God will do with and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Right then and there in that moment, that young man decided, I will be that man. And he surrendered his life to whatever God's call on his life was 
And now, 170 years later, we look back and we see the story of D.L. Moody, one of the greatest evangelists in American history, the founder of the Moody Bible Church, the Moody Bible Institute up in Chicago, and Moody Publishing. And we have the story of a man that later in his life, he would sit down and he would pen these words. He would say, the first thing that a man must do if he desires to be used in the Lord's work is to make an unconditional surrender to him. To unconditional surrender of himself to God. This morning I want to ask you a question. Have you made an unconditional surrender to God and his plan for your life? I'll ask you in this room and I'm going to ask all our viewers online have you made an unconditional surrender? Have you gave God a blank contract with your life and signed the bottom line and said, God, I give you permission to fill in all the blanks, even if it looks completely different than what I dreamed up or had thoughts of on myself? Because if you truly have a vision for God to use your life, it's going to come down to an uncompromising, uncontrolling by you an unconditional surrender to the Lord. It's also going to take a vision. A moment ago, I shared with you that when Jesus came out of the wilderness, he was focused. His eyes were set on the work the Father sent him to do. Let me ask you this question. How many of you, when you think about your walk with God, how many of you have got a vision of where you hope this walk with God will take you? How many of you have got a dream yet inside your heart? Has God placed a dream or desire inside your heart? How many of you want to look a little more like Jesus tomorrow than you looked like him yesterday? And how many hope today is a big step forward in that direction? Come on, everybody should have said amen on that one. I'm just going to say that because look at your neighbor and just tell them because you still got a ways to go. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. No, I'm really not. Look at the person on the other side of you and tell them and so do you. All right, all right, all right. Now, now everybody just look, at, look, just, just look up to God and say, yes, God, I understand. So do I. Right? And, and we all have a ways to go to be a little more white. But how many say that that is actually a desire you have? How many of you want to become more like Christ? How many want to grow in your faith? Do you have a vision of growing in your faith? Now, let me ask you this question. It'll be a little difficult to answer. It's a little tough, right? It hits home a little bit. How many of you have a vision in your heart that you want victory? You want to be strengthened in an area that you have identified as a weakness in your flesh. Now, don't look up here and act all pious, you know, just like setting up straight right now, like, woohoo, I got it all together. Because if you ever come to me and say, Pastor, I'm so sanctified in Jesus, here's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to hand you my Bible, all right? Hand over all of my credentials over to you. And then we're going to go to the altar and we're going to pray about this thing, right? Because, because listen, I want to tell you, the holiest, most sanctified day of your life should be your last day on earth. You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Here's what I mean. We should always be growing in our walk with God, always be growing in our faith, always getting a little more victory over temptation, always getting a little more Christ-like in our character and our attitude. This, listen, there is no retirement. There is no place where you all of a sudden wake up and say, whew, I'm as sanctified as I need to be. 
Y'all with me? I started to have you turn your neighbor again, but I think y'all still reeling over the last time I had you do that. We should be growing in Jesus. We should be coming more like Jesus all the way up until the time Jesus says, whew, that's about as good as y'all gonna get. Come on up. Amen? And so I ask you again, how many of you have a vision for your life in your walk with God? How many of you wanna walk a little cleaner? How many want a little more victory? How many of you wanna take that next great adventure, whatever that is? Are you ready for that? Are you ready to climb the next hill God puts in front of you and climb that hill and say, look at what God's doing and I want God to use me at another level? How many of you have got a passion inside you? I want to go to a whole nother level with God. Amen. Then listen, it's going to take that vision with surrender. With an uncompromising surrender to God's plan and purposes in your life. You know, we're, we're in the 4th of July weekend, right? Tomorrow we'll celebrate the freedom of this country. And something we don't talk a lot about anymore, you don't hear a lot about this, but let's just be honest. If we want to celebrate the freedom of this nation, you got to go back before the Revolutionary War and you got to go all the way back to the pilgrims. And you got to understand the pilgrims had a vision of finding a country, finding a land where they could worship God without interference by the government. And that's what led the pilgrims to come and find this land. Then later on, as those people started populating and, and Europe started coming over and, and they started taking over the territory, then all of a sudden, our national forefathers raised up and said, and we too have a vision. And our vision is, is that all mankind is created equal in the sight of God and everyone deserves freedom of choice and liberty. And so thus, we have a nation now, and if you're watching from another country, thank you for tuning in. I'm just talking to our folks for a moment because I don't want any of us to ever take our freedom for granted. Amen. But we need to understand that it takes vision, and then it takes a complete uncompromising surrender to that vision in order for it to come about. And I believe that in your walk with God, God has another heel for you. And that God wants to take you to another level and it's going to take a vision in your own heart that you want to go there. Secondly, uh, uncompromising surrender to the will and the ways and the plan of God to get there. I want us to look at Jesus as our model. Go back now to Matthew chapter four and let's look at how it happened there with Jesus. Jesus has been at the water of baptism. Jesus has been in the wilderness. And now look at verse 17. As he comes out of the wilderness, as he comes out of that season. And I told you last week, when you're in a wilderness, you need to look up because you're always going to be stronger on the other side. And I want you to see how strong Jesus was when he came out on the other side. Look at verse 17. Let's read it out loud together. Ready, go. From then on. In fact, just underline that. From then on. On. So did it ever change for him? No. After this moment, from this on, then on, Jesus began to, next word, circle it and say it out loud. Ready to go. Preach. And we even have a sermon. It's a one-point sermon. Some of you are like, wow, I've never heard a one-point sermon. You will today. Here we go. Here's Jesus' one-point sermon. Repent because the kingdom of God is near. When Jesus came out of the wilderness, he is laser focused. He is here to do what his father has called him to do. 
Number one, on your message notes, here's what I want to challenge us to follow in the way of Christ. Here's what I want you to see out of this. Is that God is going to challenge you if you really want to follow God and to do his will and to let God work in your life. Here's something you and I have got to understand is that whatever your plans are, whatever your dreams are, whatever your career choices are, wherever you're going to college, wherever you're going to school, whatever relationships you're in, every facet of our lives as followers of Jesus, we are to completely uncompromisingly surrender that over to the mission and the plan of God because when Jesus came out of the wilderness, listen, 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 he could have been a great teacher and just stayed there. I believe he was the greatest preacher, any preacher on the earth. In fact, the Bible tells us that philosophers, the religious elite would listen to Jesus and they'd leave scratching their head. Listen, if you're a preacher and you cause a theologian to scratch their head, you did a good day's job. But at the same time, in his preaching, the Bible says the common man heard him gladly. It means that the uneducated never left saying, I wonder what he's talking about. They knew exactly what he's talking about. Dr. Adrian Rogers used to tell uh, preachers when he was training young preachers, he would tell preachers, he'd say, listen, the word of God is so deep that a theologian can dive into and never reach the bottom. Meaning you'll never, you'll never stop learning if you really dive into the scriptures. You'll never, it's a living word and it never stops teaching you and revealing to you. He says, but it's so shallow that an infant in Christ can waddle into it and never fear of drowning. And when Jesus preached, theologians couldn't get enough of it. It was so deep. And yet the common man heard him and walked away going, that's exactly what I thought God was like. Wow. I know exactly what he was wanting. And that's our desire here, that you never stop growing, you never stop learning. But no matter who you are, if this is your first time walking in here, when you walk out, you'll know exactly who we've been talking about for the last hour and 15 minutes. We've been singing about, we've been praying to, and we've been worshiping Jesus. And he's the savior of the soul, and he loves you with all his heart. And when Jesus came out of that wilderness, he's so focused on the kingdom. He could have just been a preacher. He could have just started businesses. Wasn't no leader. And there's never been a better leader than Jesus. He could have just been an organizer, but he wasn't. He came out of that wilderness. He was focused on his ministry. He was focused on Mount Calvary. He came to do the work he, come to, he was called here to do. And listen, look at me, look at me, look at me. I need every one of you who are followers of Jesus, every one of you is even thinking about following Jesus. And, and you want to understand what all this is about, how to take your next hill and go to the next level with God, you've got to get this down. And it's actually my only main point of the sermon. It is a one-point sermon. Pretty amazing. Here it is. You've got to match your vision with God's mission. I want you to match. I want you to understand that if you're teaching school, you go into that school as a testimony for Jesus. If you're out working in the factory, you need to understand when you're working in that factory, you work in that factory as an, a light and as an example of what it would look like if Jesus was working in that factory. If you're going to school or to college, I want you to understand, you do your studies, you, you, you treat the leadership in that school, your educators, you treat them just like you think Jesus would be treating them. When you're on social media, when you're out in the community, when you're out having fun on Saturday night, never forget that you are a representative of Jesus. 
Jesus Christ and whatever your dreams and whatever your plans are, if you live uncompromisingly surrendered to Christ, you understand that your life must match the mission of Jesus. Let me say it this way. Your secular life should not be separate from your religious life. Don't segregate God to one hour on Sunday. Being a follower of Jesus is a daily surrender to Christ where you allow him to be the Lord and the Savior and the master of every facet of your life, your career, your education, your relationships, the way you write out your bills. Every aspect of our life is completely surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. Now listen, what I'm not saying, what, listen to me, what I'm not saying is that every one of you should quit your secular jobs and go into full-time ministry. God doesn't need everyone to be a preacher. He needs you to use out the gifts and the talents and the careers and the dreams and the visions he has already placed inside your heart. You just don't need to segregate that life away from your faith. And you need to understand it's not, oh, on Sundays I'm Christian, on Mondays I'm this career. No, 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 no. He is to come in and you're to include him in every aspect of your life. So that in every area of your life, you understand that when you're a Christian, when you are born again, you are, your old has passed away, the new has come. You are an example of Jesus at all times and in every facet of life. How many of you still want to take the next hill? Grow in Christ. Go to the next level with God. Then it takes a vision of allowing God to come alongside every area of your life and be uncompromisingly surrendered to allowing Jesus Christ to come in and lead that part of your life. And, and, and listen, you need to write this down. You've got to understand, if you're going to climb the hill and you're going to let God be the lead in every area of your life, you're going to be an example for Jesus. You've got to understand this. You cannot do that alone. You've got to partner with other believers. Here's the beautiful thing about scripture is that Jesus never called out any disciples to go do ministry in groups less than two. Even Jesus didn't go do his ministry alone. Look with me now at verse 18 of Matthew chapter four. Verse 18 says it this way. And as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, now question, if we know that from the time Jesus came out of the desert, he's preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come, what do you think he was doing while he's walking along the Sea of Galilee? Not a trick question. Somebody shout, he's preaching. Yeah, he's still, he's still on the business, come on. He's still doing the business. He's preaching. He's telling people. He's walking along the sea. And watch this, watch this. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the sea and they were fishermen. Anything wrong with fishing? Absolutely not. They were doing what they were called to do. They're fishing. And look at what Jesus said though. Jesus had permission to interrupt their day. And Jesus, look at the next two words, circle them, say them out loud with me, ready to go, follow me. And he told them, and I will make you fish for people. It's not that fishing 
for fish was anything wrong with it, but they'd come to the point in God's timetable in their life that I'm going to take you to another level. And, and he says, I'm going to take you from fishing for fish to fishing for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on down from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in the boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets. He called them. Look at verse 22. Say the first word out loud. Ready, go. Immediately they left their boat and they followed him. Now, this is so cool. This is so cool. James and John were also known by a nickname. Do you know their nickname? Sons of Thunder. So you know what happened when they left the boat of Zebedee and went to follow Jesus, right? That's where Garth Brooke got the song, The Thunder Rose. <laughs> no, that's really bad. That was really terrible, but it got your attention. It woke you back up. Anyway, here's, here's the deal. Jesus didn't even do his own ministry alone. He brought the disciples along. He started calling people out to come walk with him and follow him and do this ministry with him. For the next three years, Jesus is going to invest his life into these 12 men that he chose to come follow him. And Jesus is going to model the way of the Father in front of them in the community. He's going to go about doing ministry, and he's going to do it, though, in a brotherhood. And listen, you need to understand something. Jesus did not call these 12 disciples to come follow him, so he had a crowd when he preached. He wasn't looking for attaboys after every sermon. He's raising them up. And he's given them purpose for gathering together. And God wants to use the gathering of other believers along with you in your life. That if you allow brothers and sisters to come along in you on your path, I promise you, God can take you further up the next hill. He can take you on the journey, but you can't get there alone. You need the assistance that comes from a family, from a brotherhood, a sisterhood in the faith. We need one another. You need Jesus as your Savior. You need the support of a spiritual family. In fact, there are three ways I want to show you that the spiritual family is a great encouragement as you climb the next hill and fulfill the plans that God has for your life. First of all, just write this out by the side of the verse. Just write down the word accountability. No one likes to talk much about accountability, but accountability is so necessary in all of our lives. We have to give people permission to speak to us if they love us and they want the best for us. Speak to us with grace and mercy, but at times, very pointed. Look at Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17. Let's read it out loud together. Ready at home? Ready, read it with me now. Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need one another to help keep us on the path at times. Now, when you are helping lead someone along the path, you can't do it judgmentally. You can't do it condemningly or harshly. Because there's going to come a day someone's going to have to speak to you that way also. We're to do it with grace. The Bible says, let your words be salted with grace. Galatians 6 says we are to store one another with meekness. Least we find ourselves tempted also. 
It is to come alongside as brothers and sisters and say, let me help you get up. And let's walk together. It doesn't whitewash. It doesn't wash over mistakes, but it doesn't condemn and, and cause people to lose hope either. It builds them up and we encourage one another. Secondly, write down the word encouragement. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. This is the thing I love about church. And if we're doing church here right, this should be the most motivational, encouraging place you find all week long. You ought to find encouragement and support right here among this body more than you can find anywhere else in this world. This is why you need to be in a small group and don't just get lost in a large crowd. You need to be in a group. You need to be on a serve team. You need to get to know 10 or 12 other people closely that can walk alongside this path with you. Walk alongside and encourage you and help you through the struggles. And you do it in grace. You do it in mercy. But you strengthen one another and you encourage each other on. Here's the third word. Delegate. Matthew 10, 1 through 5. Here's what the scripture says. Summoning his disciples, his 12 disciples, Jesus gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. And Jesus sent these 12 out after giving them instructions. What do you see there? You see, Jesus doesn't just have this party coming behind him going, whoo, we with Jesus. No, 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 no. The whole time he's with those boys, he was raising them up. He's teaching them. He's training them. Why? It's because the ministry is to be lived out by all of God's people. And Jesus knew, I'm only, I'm only here for a short season. I'm only going to be here three years and I got to get on the cross and then I'm rising up and going back to my father and I'm sending down the Holy Spirit to you. I'm giving you boys charge of the church. So you got to watch me. You got to learn from me. I'm teaching you how to be my disciples in the world. And at the same time, he's giving them a model that you can't do this alone. You've got to partner with other believers. You got to encourage, you got to hold each other accountable and you got to raise one another up and send each other out. This county's not going to get saved by coming and listening to one preacher. It's going to take all of us going out to our families, our communities, our neighborhoods, and where we live and where we work and where we have our recreation. It takes us going out into our world unashamed and uncompromisingly surrendered to Christ, showing people there's a better way, and his name is Jesus. In fact, here's your big takeaway. I told you at one point, everything else is just support. I just want you to understand this. That our challenge is to match our lives with the mission of Jesus. Let, it, let, let the two come together. Don't live two separate lives. Let it all come together and see yourself this way. See yourself the way God sees you. And for every one of you who question your value to the kingdom... Please listen carefully for the next couple of moments. For every one of you, it feels like you're not smart enough, you're not holy enough, you, you've not been a Christian long enough, you still got too many mistakes, too many failures, God could never use you. Please listen carefully for the next couple of moments. 
Doesn't matter if you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, whether you're in the white-collar world or the blue-collar world, whether you're a teacher, a professor, uh, a business owner, or whether you are uh, uh, in, in custodial services, or whether you mow lawns for a living, or you work down at the factory. It doesn't matter if you're a freelancer or, or you're in a, in involved in a company. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're in school, if you're in college, if you're in trade school, it doesn't matter. If you set your eyes on Jesus, God is going to come and meet you right where you are. And he's going to use you if you allow him to, to make an incredible impact on this world we're all living in together. Because here's your big takeaway. Write this down. You have been called by God right where you are right now to be an ambassador for Christ. Look at your neighbor on either side of you and just tell them, by the way, you're sitting by royalty today. At home, just go ahead and put the word, <laughs> I'm royalty. Put the term, I'm royalty in the chat right now. Because I'm, I'm here to tell you, according to God, every one of you who are followers of his son, Jesus, you are royalty in the kingdom. You are royalty in God's eyes. You are a holy priesthood. You are an ambassador. You know, an ambassador, he comes to one country representing another country. And so though he lives in one country, his mannerisms, his theology, his ideology, his lifestyle mimics the one he came from. And when you come to Christ, the Bible says your sins are forgiven. Your old man is dead. The new has come. You're born again. You're given a fresh start with God. Now it's time to go out and live for Jesus. Because I want to tell you, you can't save yourself. So the least we can do is live this life for him. And when you're living your life for him and you're living out by example, you're living like an ambassador showing the world who Jesus is who Jesus can forgive, who Jesus can heal, who Jesus can save. I would challenge everyone in this room and watching online to come to our growth tracks. If you haven't been through the growth track system yet, it's just two weeks, two Sundays. In the second class, all we do is teach you how to share your personal story because it's your testimony, your story that you can share out with others and show them that it's a God story. If you've given your life to God, you've got a God story. And you need to share your God's story because you're an ambassador. Look at these words of the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. And I don't want you to miss the next line. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Look at that line one more time. Take your pen and underline it. We are ambassadors for Christ. Why? Since God. What is God doing? What is God wanting to do in my life and in your life? Since God is making his appeal through us. The God of heaven is wanting to get his message of his son to a world lost and hurting. And he has chosen you to be the vessel. 
He's going to appeal to the world through you. You say, Pastor, I'm not worthy for that. You got it. It's an act of grace. I'm not worthy either. If we thought we were worthy, he wouldn't use us. He can only use the humble. Say, Pastor, I'm not smart enough. Hey, have you experienced the love of Jesus? Have you experienced the grace of God? You got enough already to get the conversation started. Pastor, I, man, I still got too many weak, weaknesses and failures. Yep. We all still got a struggle. Let's climb the hill together. Let's get some victory together over that struggle. Amen? Don't give in to it and don't make any more excuses. You're an ambassador. Rise up unashamed and take all the, the, the controlling measures off of God and say, God, if you can use someone like me, use me. Be like D.L. Moody and say, God, if you can do a great work through a man or a woman, I'll be that man or I'll be that woman. You can do that through me. Do a great work and surrender your life to him today. And when you do, watch this. Look at verse 23. So what did it look like coming out of the wilderness? Jesus came in with laser focus and he said, I'm going to preach. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But I'm not going to climb this mountain alone. I can't go it alone. I'm going to gather me a group of disciples. And I'm not just going to grab me a posse. I'm going to train them up so I can send them out and keep carrying on the message because I need all these voices out there telling the world. I don't need one voice. I need all these voices out there. And then he said, here's what we're going to be about doing. Look at verse 23. Scripture says this. Read out loud now, come on. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee. Three words I want you to circle here, ready? Teaching in the synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Three words here, write them down. What are we to go out and do as ambassadors for Jesus in every area of our life? In whatever our careers look like, whatever our enjoyments and recreations, every part of our lives, because it's not about religion, it's about daily relationship. What are we to be about? We're about everything we do. We ought to be bringing in ways to teach, bringing in ways to preach, and bringing in ways to touch the lives of those around us all through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love this. I love the fact that Jesus started out teaching in the synagogues. He got around people who knew religion and he just began to break down scriptures and he just began to teach them the ways of the Lord. You know, sometimes I think we've got way too much preaching and not near enough teaching in our culture. We all got our favorite preachers, but I want to tell you something. Sometimes what we need is we just need to take the word of God and break it down and ask the question, how does the word of God apply to our lives? Because we got a lot of folks that know a whole lot of scripture, but maybe aren't living it out quite like they ought to. And I don't know about you, I find myself learning something in the scriptures and a week later, I done act like I forgot it. Anybody else like that? And I gotta go right back and get back into that word. I can't quickly move on. I gotta go back and digest it again. 
We're all in that, aren't we? We need to teach the Word of God, the principles. How does this apply to our lives? And include it. Marinate on the Word of God. Adrian Rogers, I'll give you one more quote from Adrian. Adrian Rogers used to say, if it came out to be true that God wasn't alive, he'd say, I'd still want to live the Christian life. He said, who wouldn't want to live by a book that teaches us to love our neighbor, forgive our enemies, be good, be gracious, be hospitable, take care of the poor, take care of the sick, care about one another. Don't live for self, live for others. Who wouldn't want to live that? Isn't that a better way to live after all? Then we need to show people that that's the way to live. We need to teach that. But then we need to preach. We need to preach the gospel. We need to preach the gospel and tell people that there is sin in the world and every religion of the world will tell you that you can reach nirvana, that you can be good enough and try to get yourself to God. But how many know today you'll never be good enough to get yourself to God? You'll never fix all your problems, that we got a sin problem. Ever since the Garden of Eden, we've had a God-shaped hole inside of our heart and the only way that God-shaped hole is ever going to get filled is if someone tells us that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and when you call upon the name of the Lord the same shall be saved and you give your heart to Jesus and he'll fix that sin problem he'll forgive you and give you eternal life anybody know what I'm talking about we need to teach it and we need to preach it don't let people believe just live by the word of God that's that's, that's good enough isn't it no live by it it'll help you give you a good life but only Jesus can cleanse you of your sin. You still must repent and be saved. Number three, let's take the word of God now and the gospel of Christ and let's go touch people's lives with it. Because we live in a world needing a lot of healing. Can somebody say amen? Needing a lot of hope, needing a lot of forgiveness, needing a lot of grace. And guess what? God thinks so highly of you that by his spirit he draws you to salvation and then he enrolls you in the most holy position of the kingdom of God. You get to go represent him now to a world and let him have your hands and your tongue and your feet and your heart and go touch the lives of people around you and show them the love and the care of Jesus. Listen to me, folks. It doesn't get any better than that. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net, and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week, and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at the Pursuit.